Um, so just moving into just a couple of announcements. Um, one, we just, you know, again, every week, just thank you for your generosity in giving. There are ways to give online in the donation boxes here. Um, but again, thank you so much. And we do have uh, information cards, too. If you're new with us today or you're, um, you know, just want to give us, make sure you have information, that we have information so we can stay in contact with you and let you know about things that are going on at the church. These are available uh, both in the, uh, the giving boxes as well as back out on the welcome cart. Um, we also have um, two, well, a holiday calendar uh, that's out on the welcome cart as well. It's been updated with some corrected dates, so uh, feel free to pick that up. And then we also, and actually I just found this out this morning because uh, Kathy and I were out of town last week, we have a bulletin again. And so that, if you... I didn't know that. That's kind of very cool. So it's being published uh, on the first Sunday of the week, uh, of the month, sorry. So first Sunday, it's actually published, but it's available every week. And so all throughout the course of the month, they're back on the table in the foyer. Um, and you, if you really need one, you can see Isaac. Isaac has uh, volunteered to be the, the, uh, the, the bulletin guy or Betty. Betty's really the one who does this. So uh, feel free to grab a bulletin, has lots of information about what's coming up uh, during the course of the month, and we uh, just encourage you to take advantage of that. All that information also is out on the website. Um, I do want to, just from the uh, bulletin, just uh, point your attention to a couple of different events coming up. We do have a men's breakfast coming up on October 30th at 8 o'clock here, and this is for all the men, and I really do encourage you, young old, doesn't matter, new, been here for a long time. We really encourage you to come and join. We get to do this maybe once a quarter or so, and it's just a great time for men to get together and just get to know one another, enjoy fellowship together, and we have a featured and semi-famous speaker coming to the uh, uh, event this time. So just encourage you to join us on Saturday, October 30th at 8 a.m., um, and just want to point out, too, and I think this was either new or a corrected date, that there is a women's book club meeting on Saturday, November 6th, and it's at 10 a.m., and I think that's here at the church. Is that right, Kathy, the book club? Okay, so that's here as well. So uh, Jordan's got a couple of announcements relative to youth. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Stufflebeam, and I'm the youth director here at The Well. And I have just a couple of youth announcements. The first one is, is we're not meeting next Wednesday, um, the 27th. We will be meeting the 20th. And the reason why we're not meeting is because we'll be having a movie night that Friday, the 29th. Um, so we're going to be watching the movie Sing. I haven't seen it, but it looks really cool. So for all of you, you know, youths out there or parents of youths, it's going to be going on next Friday uh, from 6 to 9. If you have any questions, my email's there. You guys can let me know. Um, so that's all we have for now. So we're going to stand. We're going to pray together before we enter into a time of worship. Well, good morning. It is great to be back. Bill, thank you very much for sharing your, your journey and um, trusting God and all that he taught you out on the trail. And, and this morning, we're going to continue uh, through the book of Philippians and uh, uh, before we launch into Philippians 1, 27, 30, I, I thought of a, of a term that, that's become uh, pretty common uh, in the world of economics in the last uh, few months. And, and some of you may be familiar with the term the Great Resignation. And the term the Great Resignation has been coined uh, really since April. Uh, from April uh, up to the present, record numbers of workers have been quitting their jobs across the country. And this term, the great resignation, has been coined by economists as they not only identify this record-setting pace of people quitting their jobs, but try to understand what's been going on. And the more that they have studied the great resignation, they've come to the conclusion that it is very complex. You can't just hang it on any one thing. And what has happened uh, over the course, really, of uh, the pandemic and everything economically that's been happening, uh, they're finding that there's been a deep shift, right? A deep paradigm shift in the way millions of workers are now viewing work as a whole. 
what they want out of it, what they haven't been getting out of it, how they've been treated, wages, everything. It's very complex, very layered, uh, but there's been this shift, and they've identified it as record numbers of people since April have quit their jobs as the great resignation. And I was thinking of that in light of Philippians 1, 27 through 30, which we're going to, to be looking at, and really I was like, okay, Lord, thank you. Because the words of the Apostle Paul in, in this letter to the church at Philippi, the believers, the Christians there, I think really just the timing again, it's just one of those moments where you're like, okay, how does the great resignation apply to the church in the last year and a half? And part of, part of my role and my responsibility is not just to prep a message and work with the ministries around here. Part of me is to try to say, Lord, what's going on in the church as a whole? And what's going on in the church here locally in Ojai and then all the way down to 1290 Grand at this church we call the well? Has there been, are we in the midst of a great resignation? And it's not necessarily physical attendance. And unfortunately, during the last course of a year and a half, um, unfortunately, some people have resigned, and I hope that they found other churches, and there's been this shift in the church, right? We've, we've had the weather not being able to meet at all, right? I've, I've shared with you, when at one point, all these chairs were gone, and there was a camera right there, and I was preaching to all of you, hopefully, there, and we would post it, and, and so there was that season where we couldn't meet at all, and then we met in the back, and then we kind of worked our way here with all the mandates and the mask, and and through it all, there's been a deep shift, a deep challenge to the church, I believe, as a whole. And like I said, you know, unfortunately, some have resigned because of various circumstances. And, and I'm not going to forget that some have joined us. And if you have joined us over the summer, we celebrate that. So it's not all bad news. But I wonder today how the last year and a half has really impacted you in your view of church. Because e economically what's happening is, it's not just government benefits and it's not just mandates. There's a deep paradigm worldview that people are shifting in their view of work as a whole. And I think in the last year and a half, there has been, because of the circumstances of the pandemic and not being able to meet and meeting and masses, there's now been this deep paradigm shift for some, maybe for many, of how you view church. What is church? anymore as we move forward because what it was before March of 2020 isn't and will never be pre-pandemic so that model that tradition whether you were in church for a week or a year or 10 years or decades that's gone that's just gone and because it's been stripped away um, and and in done in such a way that that we had no choice I think it set many adrift because your tradition and your routine were really what were guiding you in many ways and not maybe the Bible and the biblical mandates regarding what is the church. And so the church, as much as, as, much as the economy and, and workers out there are, are in this great resignation period, I think the church, even is the same, is going through this, this season of like, well, what is the church? Is it just enough to watch? Is that church? Is church now just choosing whether to be here or watch it live stream or podcast mode later? Is that church now? What is church? Right? And, and the Apostle Paul, in Philippians 1, 27 to 30, he makes this shift because in the verses up until this point, he's been speaking sort of autobiographically, his journey, things that he's come to conclusions about to live as Christ, to die as gain. So he's been sharing really his heart and his journey and now he, he makes this radical shift in verse 27, and he begins to speak directly to the believers, to the church in Philippi. And this is what he says in verses 27 to 30. He says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, 
engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. Today we're going to focus on verse 27. In the NIV it says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Now, it's really interesting. The reason I brought up the NIV there, it says conduct yourselves, right? It's a present tense. It's continuous conduct. It's your lifestyle. He's saying, here's how you should be continually conducting yourself, right? And then the reason I put the NIV when it says conduct is that word conduct yourselves is a very specific term which, which radically changes your whole view of this scripture. The word where he says uh, conduct yourselves, it's polituomai, where we get the word politics. It's related to politics. It really means behave as a citizen. Now, usually in the Bible, when we talk about your conduct, we say your walk, right, how you walk. It's another word. It's called peripateo, which is up on the screen. It's just your walk or behavior. So what he's saying here really is saying, hey, you know what? Whether or not I see you, the heart of your behavior should come from your citizenship as a believer. Now, why is this important? You, uh, Jordan, keep that up. Because usually, when you see, when you see in the Bible, uh, peripateo, and it means your walk, this is how you should walk, this should be your behavior, what that does, it, it, it often sends us, in, in, in our view of Christianity, down to morality. Bunch of do's and don'ts. I'm a good Christian if I do, 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 do. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an okay Christian if I my don'ts, you know. And so that word peripateo, when it talks about behavior, many of us still equate Christianity with good morality. Bunch of outward conduct. Bunch of do's and don'ts. Peripateo, your walk, your conduct, right? And, and you know, everyone's judging you by your conduct. Well, what he says here is, is extremely important. Because he says, hey, you know what? Conduct yourselves. Polituomai says, you know what? Behave as citizens of heaven. It's an identity. Okay, so, so if your view of Christianity is rules and conduct and legalistic behaviors, what he's saying is that's not what I'm talking about. You should be living your life out of who you are. Your identity as a citizen of heaven. Now, when he used that word, the believers in Philippi, you know what they would have said? They would have said, are you kidding me? He's using polituomai? The believers in Philippi would have said, aha, Paul, I know what you're doing. Because they would have been zinged in the heart. Because polituomai to them would have meant a heck of a lot more than it does to us today. You know why? The city of Philippi was a Roman colony. As a Roman colony, it was a miniature Rome surrounded by, right, other peoples and cultures. But Philippi was a Roman colony, a miniature Rome, okay? Customs, language, culture, titles, they were fanatical in their loyalty to Rome. If you went to Philippi, you would step right into Philippi and step right into Rome. The people there were Romans. They were Romans. They were citizens of Rome surrounded by non-Roman culture. But if you're in Philippi, you might as well be in Rome, right? So they're citizens of Rome, and they're proud of it, and they're fanatical loyalists to Rome. Language, culture, dress, everything, right? So when Paul says, hey, believers, polituomai, they're like, he is calling us out. As fanatical as we are about our Roman citizenship, we are to be that fanatical and loyal to Christ as citizens of heaven. That's a zinger word. Because they were living that every day as fanatical loyalists to Rome. He says, hey, Christians, polituomai, where's your citizenship? What citizen are you living as? And it's really interesting, this word, it's kind of one of those words that has application to this pandemic. Because a lot of people have been challenged, have been responding as citizens of the United States. In their response. I know that because I've had those discussions. 
And part of the challenge as believers is, are you responding as a citizen first and foremost of heaven or of the good old USA? It doesn't mean that we may not still land on different parts of the spectrum, but we're united in Christ, amen? So whether or not you're here or there, whatever, we are still citizens of heaven, amen? The question and a lot of the division and a lot of the the infighting in the church through this whole pandemic, this great resignation that we're going through, is people are wrestling with your citizenship. What framework are you seeking the Lord for your decisions? What's the framework? What's the ultimate paradigm? What's the priority paradigm? Citizen of this country or citizen of heaven? That's where a lot of people, you know... I get it, and you know, it's been off the charts, red line, people angry, bitter, even in the church, leaving the church, angry at pillar church. And I'm like, wait a sec, I thought we were citizens of heaven. I thought we were citizens of heaven. And he says, you know what? Conduct yourselves, politumai, as citizens of heaven. That's the first and foremost framework. Like, if, 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 even, even for me, you know, people say, how do you deal with this? I say, yeah, I know, it's kind of challenging, you know, because I got my family. I'm trying to walk through this in my own life. And then I got my family. Then I got the church with all the diversity. And fundamentally, I say, you know what, Lord? I'm your child. I'm a citizen of heaven. I want to seek you first. My loyalty is to Christ. We are citizens of heaven. In fact, that's why in in Rome, do you know why a lot of the Christian persecution came? Because they didn't see Augustus Caesar as God. It was emperor worship in Rome and all the idols and all the sacrifices. And Christians were persecuted because they said, you know what? We're not citizens of Rome. We're citizens of heaven, actually. And it cost a lot of them their lives because they drove the stake in the ground and they said, I am first and foremost a citizen of heaven. That was the first framework. That's the paradigm about which they built their life. And I think for a lot of us, you know, in this season, right, as we kind of still walk through the pandemic and, and all these things still coming down the pipe, rather than being reactionary, and rather than continuing to build up your position and everything, maybe this last quarter of the year, we stop. And then we say, Father, we are your children. Right? We've been born again into the family of God through faith in Jesus. Right? Not only are we children, we're citizens of heaven. Father, this last quarter of the year, I want to seek you first. It's been, a, it, it's been a tough year and a half for everybody on this planet. And a lot of us have had your world go boop. Regardless of whatever political side you're on and where you stand on a lot of things, everyone's world went boop. And it rocked everyone. And when you get rocked, sometimes you're looking for something to grasp onto. And the Apostle Paul's word gives us the anchor. Palatuamai. Your anchor is that you're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. He was calling out the believers in Philippi to step up and put being a citizen of heaven above being a citizen of Rome. Because we're just a passing through, aren't we? Right? And so for some of us, we need to kind of just call time out, turn off the news, turn off your phones, take a long walk with Jesus and just celebrate that you're a citizen of heaven, child of God. To live as Christ and to die is gain. Right? Suddenly you come out and you get freedom and you get clarity and you're like, whoa, man, I got sucked way down the rabbit hole. I was like so angry and I'm so bitter and I'm so depressed and I'm so, uh, and, uh, and, uh. and suddenly you go, whoop, citizen of heaven. Live as Christ, to die is gain. Oh, yeah puts it all back into proper order. Amen? That's the joy and the hope and the peace we have as believers. Right? Does it make it any easier to deal with the realities of life? No, but what it does is it gives us a perspective. And from that perspective, we move forward in peace and confidence and joy. A lot of the things that the non-believers are looking for But because the church got sucked down into the stuff of the world so much, we're no longer a testimony. We've lost our testimony. 
We're acting and talking and reacting just like the world. And you got to say, you know, the apostle Paul's got to show up. He'll come like, excuse me, what's it? Can I see your citizenship card? Can I see yours? Not your vax card, your citizenship card. And I would hope that you would willingly show that citizenship of heaven card. Amen? And it would remind you, wait a sec. That's really who I am. And he's saying, conduct yourself out of your identity. Out of your identity. That's what he's saying, right? Philippians 3.20. Here it is. Our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? You want another memory verse? There's a great memory verse. Our citizenship is in heaven. And he says, Polituomai, saints. Polituomai, conduct yourselves. Live as citizens of heaven while you're on this planet. That's the testimony. That's being salt and light, is just living out who you already are. That's the testimony, right? And, and, you know, I love this. Moises Silva says, what really matters is that you behave as citizens of heaven. Behave as citizens of heaven, right? And then he says in in 127.8, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. We covered that word worthy when we were looking at the book of Ephesians, right? Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. All that means, that word worthy is just a scale. And we talked about this. To live in a manner worthy as a citizen of heaven, your conduct balances your creed. Your behavior matches your beliefs. Right? Just live a balanced life, meaning what? Just just walk the talk. Just to conduct yourself as citizens of heaven, Barry, just let your creed match your conduct. Let your behavior match your beliefs. That's all he's saying, right? And it's interesting, in Philippians 127a, in the King James Version, right? I don't know if any of you still read the King James Version. I love the King James, because sometimes the words are generational words, right? So in the King James, it says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, how many of you come from that generation where someone comes out wearing something, you're like, that doesn't become you? Anyone? Such a generational word, right? Thank you, Mark, for admitting your generation, right? Right? Like, there's this phrase, a figure of speech, if someone's wearing an article of clothing, you say, that's not becoming, right? Or it is becoming. And what does that mean? If it's becoming, it means it enhances, right? And if it's not becoming, it's kind of like, ah, Barry, that shirt's not really becoming, bro, you know? Doesn't help, you know? And so it says here, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. I love that. Does your life becoming of Jesus? Does your life enhance Jesus? Great way to look at it, right? Right? Your words coming out of your mouth, would someone say, Lynn, I'm sorry, those words aren't very becoming of Christ. You've heard that? I'm sorry, bro. I mean, I don't But it's... What, a, what an interesting way to look at this whole, right? If you, as you live your life, your attitudes, your thoughts, right? your integrity, is it becoming? Is it becoming of Christ? Is it becoming of a citizen of heaven? Because believe it or not, they're watching. People are watching. And they're reading what you post online. Right? The world is watching, reading, listening. The question is, is your life becoming of Christ? Is your life representative of your true citizenship in heaven? Right? And sometimes we just need to step back and go, okay. I've been so caught up in what's happening around me and my feelings and my circumstances, I've completely forgotten who I am. I've forgotten where my true citizenship is. I forgot that I'm supposed to live my life in such a way that's becoming. Right? And then he says uh, in 127 again, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you 
or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He now slides into, hey, you know what? Okay, conduct yourselves as citizens of heaven, balance scales, and now here's how you can apply that practically. He says, you know what? Be united. Unity in the church. Okay, and we've spoken about this before in the years past, right? We're, you can have unity without uniformity, okay? Because our, ultimately our unity is rooted in Christ. So he says, be united. Stand firm in one spirit. Now, in the context, this one spirit doesn't need, necessarily mean the Holy Spirit. We are united by the Holy Spirit because we're all indwelt. But what he's saying here is, when he says in one spirit, he's talking like purpose, aim, goal, right? Like a team, united, right? Teamwork. Like Dodgers, united in one spirit, right? 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 Sorry. Well, the giants were united in one spirit as well, right? Right? Thank you, see? This idea that being united in one spirit, one purpose, one goal, one aim, right? Are we? I remember talking to a brother during the elections when uh, racial tension was, was just off the charts. And even believers were angry and divisive at each other, Right? And a lot has happened in the last year and a half that seeped into the church to really, at the core, attack and really destroy unity. Really? I mean, it's just the circumstances of life and then all these issues that have come up and people have felt very strongly about. It seeped into the church. And it's attacked the unity at the core. Right? Lehman Strauss says this, I know of nothing that mars a gospel testimony as does disunity among God's people caused by self-seeking. Nothing is more harmful to the, un- to the unsaved than to discover division among Christians. If Satan can disrupt the ranks of God's children, he has won a great victory. He knows the truth of our Lord's statement. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Our Lord prayed for his own that they, shall, that they all may be one that the world may believe. To stand fast in one spirit with one mind means to face the opposition unitedly. Unity is essential in the home, in business, and in the church. Right? So he says, hey, as citizens of heaven, how is this manifested? In unity. In unity. Ephesians 4, 3 in the New Living says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now, the crazy thing is, we need the Holy Spirit to be of one spirit. Why? Because we all battle with the flesh. And we're that far away from just sliding right into the flesh and division and discord in the church. So we radically need the Holy Spirit. Now, we can be, and if you've been in the church any length of time, you know that we're united around some big things like the Great Commission, right? Our purpose is to go and make disciples, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, right? So there's a Great Commission, Ephesians 6. We're united that we have a common enemy, right? There's spiritual warfare. We talked about that at length in Ephesians. Spiritual warfare, the devil and all the principalities of darkness. We're united that we have a common enemy, right? 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12, we're united in, we should be united in our desire to glorify God. In fact, in verse 12 of that, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So in a very broad sense, yes. Where did we unite it? We're united in Christ. We're united with the Great Commission. We're united that we have a common enemy. We're united that we should be glorifying God. Amen? Okay. But then, then we get to like today. Because those are great biblical doctrinal truths and we would all amen to, right? You can't argue with that. We're supposed to. So what happens then day to day, Sunday to Sunday? Where is this kumbaya? Right? Because the, the, the challenge with the church is what? Is that it's made up of people, right? The church is the people, right? Redeemed people, in sanctification people, right? But imperfect people. People with baggage and histories and attitudes and opinions, and, right? It's just made up of people. 
So that's why it needs the Holy Spirit to supernaturally keep us united and focused on the main things, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what's been going on maybe at the grassroots level? If, if the marketplace is dealing with the great resignation and it's a deep paradigm shift in how people view work, what has been going on perhaps at the heart level in the church that have caused some people to resign from the church or has caused some to maybe not completely resign, but maybe shift, maybe pull back a little bit, maybe disengage. What has been going on, right? And, and I want to be very careful here because uh, let me just say a couple things. You're here, and you're here on the live stream, so in one sense I was like, well, this is going to kind of be preaching to the choir because you're here, right? Uh, the other aspect is I know that, that uh, your attendance here your in-person attendance, for many are still, you know, there's concerns about uh, the pandemic, COVID. I know a couple of dear people who just recently got it and recovered. So it's still a real thing, okay? It is still a real thing in this valley. Dear friends of mine are still getting it, okay? It is still real. So I don't want to be insensitive. And I, and I also don't even want it to, to sound like it's about being here. Because what we're really talking about is a heart issue regarding the church, it's a heart issue because someone could be here every Sunday and be disconnected, but you show up. And someone, for health reasons or other reasons, watch us live stream, and they're more connected than the people here because their heart is more connected. So I don't want us to get hung up on who's here, and it's not an attendance thing. It's a heart issue. That's what the Bible teaches about the church. It really comes from your heart because it's relationship. It's self-sacrifice, Okay. And, and, and I also want to, you know, start with, and maybe this will help everyone as we move forward, with a confession that I know how easy it is to disconnect from church and tradition and, and routine, right? So every once in a while, the elders have encouraged me to take, take a Sunday off just because, you know, 52 weeks and say, you know, you okay, we got gifted teachers here, take a Sunday off. So last Sunday I wasn't here because it was one of those Sundays where they just kind of let me take a break. And so oftentimes when I take a break, I'll still get up at 10 o'clock and watch the live stream and everything like that. But last Sunday, I got up and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do something different. Sunday, I'm going to do what I think people do on Sundays. So I'm like, I got stuff to do. I got some sheds in my backyard. I haven't gone through them. So I got up early. And we started doing, you know, how many of you have stuff that you've carted around for years? And you're like, it's like a time capsule, right? You're like, oh my gosh, this is when Shiloh was in the eighth grade, you know? And you're looking through all this stuff. So we're going through all this stuff. And so then I look at my watch and the place that like, we like to shop down in Oxnard opens at 10. And I'm like, hey, you want to go pick up some stuff? I'm, I don't know what it's like at 10 o'clock. My whole life revolves around church, so let's go see who's there at 10 o'clock on Sundays. So we, we drive down there, and, we, you know, in Sunday, it's like relaxing. You're like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. And I kid you not, I, we spent, I don't know, over an hour just, because I had nothing to do, right? It's Sunday off. We're going back to the car. It's like 11, 11.30 by the time we're going to the, and I, and I turned to my wife, and I said, you know what? I see how people just don't go to church. I see how easy it is. And this is like, what do I get? I get four Sundays off a year. <laughs> and I'm like, I totally get it. Because for an hour and a half, I wasn't thinking of y'all at all. I was looking for the latest deals at Costco, and I was having a good old time. You know, and I was like, man, I'm a pastor and I've been doing this for 30 years. And one Sunday off, I like, whoo, this is what Sundays are like, right? And, and then I did this. I'm going to take the confession a little bit, right? We can, we, can, we can be real, right? So in my back of my head, I'm like, I'll just watch it later. Ah, y'all just outed yourselves right there. All of you just smiled and nodding your head like, I'll just watch it later. 
Ernie, ask me, when did you get around to watching it? Go ahead, ask me. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, but when, just ask me when I watched last week's sermon. Go ahead. When did I watch last week's sermon? Last night at 8 o'clock. <laughs> but you know what I had time for this week? I went to the gym at 5 a.m. three times. I had time to watch the Dodgers beat the Giants and lose to the Braves. I had a lot of time to do a lot of fun stuff that I needed, that I really needed to do. And every once in a while during the week, I would be like, oh, I got to watch that. It wasn't even like the message. I had to watch that. And then it just became like inconvenient. And then Barry asked me, so what did you do when you watched it? Go ahead. Well, what I did when I watched it last night a, I was in my living room, and I had the football game on. And I'm like, I could watch it while I'm watching ESPN. I'm just being honest. And I'm, and I'm like, come on, Bill, hurry up. You know? But I did what I'm going to guess many of you do. You know how it comes up on the live stream, and they have that time bar? And you can click on that little circle, and everything goes. And you start at the sermon. Some of you right now are guilty because your faces are like right there. Thank you. You just skip all the pre stuff, all the churchy stuff, all the music, all the announcements, and you just go right to the sermon. Right? So I went. You know, because I'm looking, 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 Tyler, Tyler, there's Tyler, Tyler, done, Bill, boom. And so I put on Bill with ESPN in the background. Right? And I'm like, ah, I can multitask. <sighs> Easy. Right? And then my daughter comes in and, and she does the bulletins and stuff. So she comes in with a question. Now I have to triple task. I got Bill on my phone. I got ESPN. And now she's asking me a bulletin. I'm like, oh. okay, pause, Bill. What? I help her with the bulletin. She goes and does her stuff. And then I... Then I'm like, I can't do both. So I tried just to mute my TV. I thought, you know, too much audio, conflicting. So I'm watching Bill, and I'm looking at the slides that he showed, all the while watching people score touchdowns. And then I got convicted. Like, oh, come on, you can't. Come on, man, you can't be doing this. So I turned off, finally, I finally, like, turned off my TV. Right? And it was funny because... It was like right as you were going through this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not horrible because I knew what he was going to say. We, we talked, so I knew what his message was. But you got to the point, and he, he started talking about getting to a place in his life. Or, or you were in Creed, right? Creed. And God had miraculously healed his breathing to enable him to get to Creed. And then he had to go to a doctor appointment, right? And Bill very wonderfully shared the conflict he was having because he felt fine. He felt fine. Right? Why do I need to go doctor? I'm fine. And even after the doctor came back with x-rays and everything, he had a hard time accepting this diagnosis because he felt fine. Right? And, and I realized part of my struggle in, in this whole thing with the TV, and, you know, thing, it's because I was fine. Why didn't I watch the, the sermon earlier in the week? Honestly, I'm fine. I'm a pastor. I know the Bible. Why do I need to listen to another sermon? I write sermons every week. I'm fine. I'll get to it when I get to it. Why? Because I'm fine. Right? And, and in this strange way, in this pandemic one of the things we had to do when you, you guys couldn't be here anymore, we worked really, really hard to get a live stream up and to get it out on, first on, on tape or on recorded and then now live stream. And I wonder how that may have backfired a little bit on us. You see, I've been in church for a long time, and one of the conflicts we have in church is we try to kind of make things easy. 
with the best, with the best heart. And sometimes it doesn't, it, it, I don't say it backfires, but it makes it difficult. Because, for instance, when we started putting verses and scriptures up on the screens, what did I notice years ago? People stopped bringing their Bibles. You don't need a Bible anymore to come to church because we make it easy for you. And we worked so hard technologically around here to get it up. And we celebrate. I celebrate those of you who don't live in Ojai, who are up north in other states. God bless you. Our church family has grown technologically, so I'm not, I'm not discounting that. What I am saying, though, is we made it really easy for people to disengage from the community of believers. We made it really easy. And I didn't realize how easy... It isn't what a slippery slope that was till I lived it this past week. From in the back of my mind, blowing it off at 10 o'clock to kicking it down the road every week till last night at 8 o'clock. And because I felt fine trying to watch the sermon, skipping all the way through because technology, technology allows me to skip all the pre-stuff and get to what I want. And yet, even though I got to where I wanted, I still tried to watch ESPN. Why? Because I'm fine. And the sermon needed to fit my schedule. Couldn't even interrupt the Dodgers. Right? And, I, and, and it made me really think, Lord, where, if this is me, is this affecting others in the church? This deep paradigm shift of what is the church? What does it mean to be committed? What does it mean to be an active participant anymore? Right? 1 Corinthians 12 says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. In short, what that means is when you put your faith in Jesus, you are placed into the church. The church is made up of the people, the body of Christ. You are placed into, right? That's a positional truth. But look what it says further down in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And when I read that verse, I was like, there you go. I think this last year and a half, and all the factors and all the layers, technology, start, stop, da, da, da. I think there's a part of the church that honestly, if we're honest, we say, I don't need you. Because I can watch it later at my convenience. I don't need you. I, I and it's very challenging because we're fine. So I don't need to connect. And, and, and it's really interesting uh, how church almost has become, rather than a, a sense of community where we contribute, it's become very passive and self-centered where we are consumers. If, you wa- if, you, if any of you watch podcasts, right? So a podcast, what do you do? You click it on and you consume. There's no, there's no communal aspect to it. You're just gleaning and being entertained and getting information from the speaker on the podcast. Well, what has happened is the church has sort of become podcasty. And we equate watching the sermon with being at church. And what that, what that does is it eliminates the people who are the church. So we're watching sermons with a podcast mindset, and we think we're going to church, but we don't need and want anything really to do with the church because it's messy and it's made up of people. That's what I'm talking about this this real fracturing at the core of the great resignation in the church. Like, what is, what is church anymore? Because we've made it so convenient to not be church. 
We've made it so convenient to be consumers and podcasty. And, you know, when I get around to it, I, I thought, I told the leadership team, I said, it wouldn't be interesting because, you know, uh, I appreciate that, that many of you like my preaching style or Bill's or Rand. You know, we've been gifted with a bunch of teachers around here. I said, what would happen if we just shut down the live stream and didn't post anything? And if people really wanted to hear us, they would have to come to church. Like the old days. Then you'd have to make a decision. More of a decision, right? But we sort of made it really easy. Ah, I'll just say, yeah, I'll catch it. I'll catch it. Well, you know, again, confession. I thought I was going to catch it, and it took me till 8 o'clock last night to catch it. So I get it, and, and I just, this, the, the heart of this message is not really, you know, it's not like this. It's really like spend the rest of the year maybe just seeking God as a citizen of heaven, as a child of God, as a member of the church. What are you supposed to be doing? What does that mean anymore? What does that mean? Right? There were two churches in, in Revelation that thought they were fine. They thought they were fine. Revelation, uh, Ephesus, Revelation 2, 2, 4. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. They thought they were fine. They're an orthodox church, challenging false teachers, doing church really well. We're fine. No, you're not. You left your first love. You're not fine. Right? It's like he has a spiritual x-ray machine. The church at Laodicea, Revelation 3. Laodicea was a very wealthy city. Okay? I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Spiritual x-ray. I'm fine. No, you're not. Your lungs are filled. We got to get you off the mountain. But I'm fine. And I just wonder if, if Jesus were to come back and look at the church and say, all the churches are like, we're fine. It's like, no, you're not. You're disconnected. You're fragmented. You're watching it all on screens. You're not connected to one another anymore. There's no one anothering. There's no genuine koinonia. Everyone's just fine. And it's been so subtle. That's why this isn't one of these messages. It's just one of those very subtle things that's happened over the last year and a half. We have disconnected at a root level, and because that disconnection was forced, we did very hard to keep going out to you in your disconnectedness, and we may have just fostered it. We may have just fostered the disconnectedness because we made it really easy to be disconnected. And somewhere along the line, we missed church. We've missed church because the church is the people, Right? The early church in Acts, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The the church was birthed out of others-centeredness. The birth, the, the church was birthed. That word fellowship means active joint participation. Okay, everyone say active participation. Woo! That's the church. A church is made up of the members of the body of Christ actively participating. Now, what has happened in the last year and a half is we define actively participating as turning it on and watching it when it's convenient. That's actively participating. 
because I watched it. The early church was in such a condition and circumstance that they were engaging in people's lives. It wasn't about them. It was about the church. How can I meet your need? How can I help you? How can I, how can I love you, right? Ephesians 4.16 says this, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Love. Everybody, if you're a member of this church, the church universal or this church, you have a part to play in the lives of somebody else. You have a role and a responsibility as a member of the church. Right? Hebrews 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We are expected to gather in various ways. Sunday is just one way. And again, kind of preaching to the choir because you're here and you're here on live stream. But I'm guessing you know somebody who's kind of disconnected, has chosen to no longer meet together as a believer. And maybe God wants to use you, not me, you, to talk to them, encourage them, pray with them, challenge them lovingly, speak the truth in love about their responsibility as a member of the church. Because here's the thing, the last year and a half, I think a lot of the church, we've just fallen into habits and routines that actually ended up taking us away from the body. And I'm, you know, initially of no fault of our own, right? You couldn't meet here, so what were we going to do? We're going to work very hard to meet you in your homes. And it's just been an interesting observation pastorally to see, that, to see what has happened when the doors were reopened. And I'm not the only pastor, uh, you know, we... About a year ago, we were meeting uh, with the Ojai Valley Ministerial Association, and the other pastors in the valley were still were, were all challenged with, how do we get people reengaged? People just aren't coming back. And I remember one pastor said, we, we, we went down the, the, the membership roles. They had their elders and leaders call everyone. And you know what a good percentage said? We're fine, thank you. They were fine, thank you. Because they had found another way of doing church other than coming to church. It's challenging. It's very challenging. Right? And so, what can we do? And again, this is sort of like my own personal journey, but also pastorally, my responsibility is to kind of keep a pulse on where we are. And so, I know it's not a quick fix because it's taken a year and a half for us to get here, and it's very subtle. But what I would challenge you to do is turn off the media and the TV and whatever else and just seek the Lord in this area. What is church? What is, you have great privileges, you're a citizen of heaven, great privileges come with great responsibilities. Right? We have responsibilities. What is church? What is your active participating role in whatever church? And if this isn't the church, that's okay. There's a wonderful churches in this valley. Maybe wonderful churches in your community. Engage, participate. Use the gifts God's given you somewhere for his glory and his kingdom and his purposes. Okay, it doesn't, we're, not, we're not the biggest, baddest anything. We just want to be true to the biblical mandate for being the church as God designed it. Amen? Right? That's our heart. That's our desire. So what did we discover? A couple practical ways. Maybe this will be a challenge. It's a baby step. Baby step. We realized that on our website in our sermon library... We only posted the sermons with no announcements. Now, some of you are like, great, that's because all I wanted was the sermon. But we also realized, in so doing, if you go to our website and you only get the sermon and you don't get the announcements, which are part of body life, community life, then it's nothing more than a glorified podcast. So what we did on our website on the sermon library is we put the announcements on the front and the back. And the loving challenge is, listen to the announcements. Because then you'll understand what's happening in the life of the church, the community of believers. That's why we do announcements. 
is because this is a community of believers. This is an organism. So I'm going to challenge you, whether you, you watch this on YouTube or you go back to our website, try not to do what I did yesterday and go, stop it right at the announcements with the intent, with the intent that you are an active participate, participant in the community. Amen? See, announcements are about community life. They really are. Okay? The other thing, when you come on a Sunday, uh, men, I hope you come to the men's breakfast. Women's Bible studies are flourishing. John, Kathy's doing a great job and all her leaders. Here's the thing. When you go to Bible studies or Sunday service, come with the heart to bless somebody. Don't just come with, I hope it's a good study. I hope it's a good sermon. I hope it's this, you know, I get that. But go to a Thursday night Bible study with the women. Go wherever, men's group, whatever. Come with a desire to meet and encourage and love somebody. That will change your whole Sunday experience. If you come here and you said, Lord, I'm going to church. Is there somebody you want me to minister to today? With a hug, a smile, a how you doing, love and encouragement. If, you, if we all come here, even just numbers that are here, if we all came here on a Sunday with that desire to bless others, this place would be alive. Because we would just be loving as Christ loved us. Right? So two practical things. Stay engaged with us by watching the announcements. And when you come here or you go to a study or a breakfast or something, go to be a giver, not just a getter. Go to, go to bless somebody. Put a smile on someone's face. Listen to what they're... Actually, listen. When you say, how was your week? Listen. Listen. Right? Pray with them. Pray with them. If, there, if someone shares something that they're going through... And you, you know, it's so funny. Like, you, you, you want to shock someone? Ask them how they're doing. And then before the conversation leaves, say, can I pray with you? You mean right now? Yeah, right now. Here? Yeah, right here. Like, what a blessing. How many of you find it such a great blessing when someone asks to pray for you? Right? To be the Well, you go do that. You're a believer. It's like, what do I say? I don't know. Lord, bless my brother and sister and help them through this. Amen. Right? You don't have to do an altar call. You don't have to, like, quote Hebrew. You don't have to go any craziness. Just say, Lord, thank you for this conversation. I just want you to bless and protect and help them through this issue. In Jesus' name, amen. And just bless them. Just bless the body. That's how you do it around here, okay? And, and so I want to encourage you. Be honest if you've been kind of this spiritually, I'm fine. That's a big, that's a big confession point. That's, that's being honest. Yeah, Lord, I get it. I'm fine. And it's caused apathy and complacency and kind of self-centeredness because, honestly, I'm fine. Right? Maybe there's a time this morning before we take communion where you just confess the I'm fineness and ask God to forgive you for that. And maybe spiritually, someone here or someone listening online, you realize, you know what? I don't even know if I'm fine spiritually. I don't know where I am. Well, it's interesting. I had a very good friend, one of my best friends in college. I had become a believer, and he wasn't. And I remember one time he made a grand announcement to me. He says, I don't need God. And I knew what he meant. He wasn't being harsh. He was just being just as honest as could be. I don't need God. And why didn't he need God? Well, he was handsome he was super smart, and he was going to be a lawyer. He was on the success route. He had it, and he just didn't need God. He was fine. Well, you know, spiritually, the, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is fine. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Amen? So in one sense, if you want to be, know you're spiritually fine, put your faith in Jesus. That's how you're spiritually fine. And if you're a believer, maybe today is just God's challenge, wake-up call. Say, how, are you, how you been doing? How you been doing with church? How you been doing with me, with Jesus? Have you kind of slid into I'm fine and it's comfortable and it's convenient? Okay, let's pray. Father, we, we thank you for our time this morning and 
we look out and we see this great resignation. Millions of people, record numbers of people quitting their jobs, this deep paradigm shift happening in the world of the marketplace. And yet I can't help but think of the the challenge to the church. How this pandemic and the ups and downs and the twists and turns and technology and all this has really deeply affected the church and our view of church and our willingness to commit to church rather than convenience and comforts. And you know where we are. So Father, as we prepare for, for communion, would you search our hearts? Would you give us time to examine our hearts? And for those here or those listening online that maybe they understand To truly be spiritually fine, the Bible says we put our faith in Jesus. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Not by works. You receive the gift of salvation. And if that's you this morning, encourage you, receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says that we have peace with God through faith in Jesus. We know we're spiritually fine. We become citizens of heaven. We become children of God through faith in Jesus. So the best way you know how. Just cry out, say, Lord, the best way I know, putting my faith in Jesus. I believe in his death, resurrection. I believe he paid for my sins. Best way I know how I'm putting my faith in Jesus. And for the church this morning, Father, we confess. We confess our complacency and maybe our comfort and We confess that maybe we've drifted away from your mandate for the church. So would you speak to us individually and corporately, even here at the well, because we just want to honor and glorify you through faith and obedience to what you call the church to be. And as we prepare for communion, we're just reminded that when we take communion as a church, it is a reminder that we are part of the church. We all partake of the same loaf, 1 Corinthians 10. So we take this communion now in remembrance of you, Jesus, but also reminded today, very mindful, that it's not just me, it's about we, the church. Amen. In the uh, rows there, in your chairs, we, we, were hurt. we were told that it's sometimes hard to get the cups out of the, the rows. You know, if you're going to lift it up, you have to twist it, you have to kind of turn it a little bit to angle it out of the holder if that's helpful. You can take communion as you like during this song, and then Randy will come up and close us. Um, So just moving into just a couple of announcements. Um, One, we just, you know, again, every week, just thank you for your generosity in giving. There are ways to give online in the donation boxes here. Um, But again, thank you so much. And we do have uh, information cards, too. If you're new with us today or you're Um, you know, just want to give us, make sure you have information, that we have information so we can stay in contact with you and let you know about things that are going on at the church. These are available uh, both in the the giving boxes as well as back out on the welcome cart. Um, We also have um, two, well, a holiday calendar uh, that's out on the welcome cart as well. It's been updated with some corrected dates, so uh, feel free to pick that up. And then we also, and actually I just found this out this morning because Kathy and I were out of town last week, we have a bulletin again. And so that, if you, I didn't know that, that's kind of very cool. So it's being published uh, on the first Sunday of the week, uh, of the month, sorry. So first Sunday it's actually published, but it's available every week. And so all throughout the course of the month, they're back on the table in the foyer, um, and you, if you really need one, you can see Isaac. Isaac has uh, volunteered to be the, the, uh, the, the bulletin guy, or Betty. Betty's really the one who does this. So uh, feel free to grab a bulletin. has lots of information about what's coming up uh, during the course of the month, and we uh, just encourage you to take advantage of that. All that information also is out on the website. Um, I do want to, just from the uh, bulletin, just uh, point your attention to a couple of different events coming up. We do have a men's breakfast coming up on October 30th at 8 o'clock here. And this is for all the men. And I really do encourage you, young, old, doesn't matter, new, been here for a long time, we really encourage you to come and join. We get to do this maybe once a quarter or so, and it's just a great time for men to get together 
and just get to know one another, enjoy fellowship together, and we have a featured and semi-famous speaker coming to the uh, uh, event this time. So just encourage you to join us on Saturday, October 30th at 8 a.m. Um, and just want to point out, too, and I think this was either new or a corrected date, that there is a women's book club meeting on Saturday, November 6th, and it's at 10 a.m., and I think that's here at the church. Is that right, Kathy, the book club? Okay, so that's here as well. So uh, Jordan's got a couple of announcements relative to youth. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jordan Stufflebeam, and I'm the youth director here at The Well, and I have just a couple of youth announcements. The first one is, is we're not meeting next Wednesday, um, the 27th. We will be meeting the 20th. And the reason why we're not meeting is because we'll be having a movie night that Friday, the 29th. Um, so we're going to be watching the movie Sing. I haven't seen it, but it looks really cool. So for all of you, you know, youths out there or parents of youths, it's going to be going on next Friday uh, from 6 to 9. And if you have any questions, my email's there. You guys can let me know. Um, so that's all we have for now. So we're going to stand. We're going to pray together before we enter into a time of worship.